Hey guys, welcome to the Real Quick with Mike Swick podcast special quarantine series episode number four. Today we have a special guest who has done everything in the sport of MMA and a guy that is not only my friend but somebody that I've spent my entire career alongside ever since Ultimate Fighter season one. Uh, he's responsible for one of the greatest fights in UFC history, uh, a fight that that turned basically MMA into the mainstream. Um, he's an author and he's also a former UFC light heavyweight champion. I'm talking about Forrest Griffin. All right, Forrest Griffin, welcome to the show, buddy. What's happening, man? Mike, it is great to see you. It's been a bit. I, you're, you're crushing it over there in Thailand, right? Oh, man, we were, and then now we're yeah. shut down. It's uh, kind of a no. weird situation for us, but uh, thank you. We were we were doing pretty well, so uh, yeah, things were going going good, and obviously things will be back to normal soon. Uh, Thailand's taken very, very strict measures against this thing. So let me tell you a little bit about the process. We, uh, when I get done with the podcast here, I did Quentin Jackson last night at like till four 30 in the morning. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm like three hours of sleep, but so what I'll do is I'll take these podcasts on a zip drive. I'll have to go to the military checkpoint because we have to stay in our areas and our areas here in Phuket are divided into like almost like neighborhoods. It's not even like cities. Yeah, It's very small. And since my staff, my gym, everything else is in a different area, I'll meet at the checkpoint, talk to the police, let them know what I'm going to do. Then I'll call my staff. My staff will come to the checkpoint and then we'll make a handover of the USB drive. And yeah. then he'll go back and edit the video and the podcast and upload it. And then so, so <laughs> that's so strange, man. Yeah, I, sounds right, though. Yeah. But, but I tell you what, I guarantee <laughs> you they're going to get rid of it, man. They're going to they're going to actually, I think, clean it up by by going this route and being this strict. Yeah, no, that's what that's what I think. I mean, that's why China's doing right. And that's why America's, you know, that's doing so great. Yeah. America's not listening from what I see too well. I got my New York well, hat on today just because uh, New York's taking the biggest hit. You've, uh, you know, you've met a few Americans. It's hard to tell them what to do, right? Yeah. I, I'd like to think that I was one at one point until I moved to Thailand and kind of just hadn't been back in a while. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah I, I, funny. I thought that was really cool when you did that, when you moved to Thailand and kind of started new and do your own thing. That's really, uh, you know, it takes a lot of guts to do something like that. It's funny, you know. Uh, I moved out to Vegas for the show. I'm still in Las Vegas, man. I, I'm not 15 years ago when we did the Ultimate Fighter. I'm like four miles from there. Wow. <laughs> so, you, 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 you've at least moved a lot more than I have. Yeah. Well, it, was, it was definitely a crazy, ambitious uh, move on my part, but definitely uh, also for the fact that I didn't know there was going to be a, a widespread pandemic, obviously, going on. Yeah. Hang on. That one. One second. That would have hurt you wherever you've gone. You know, I have a ton. Of, obviously, all my friends here in the gym business. I own a piece of the gym. And, man, we're struggling. Staff, is, all my friends, like, they're able to get paid. You know, Randy Couture, he paid his people the first couple months. But, you know, when we're in month three, what, I yeah. mean, there's paying people that can't work. You know, it's going to be rough. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's particularly hard on our community, right? The, the mixed martial arts, the fitness type community a lot of us have gone on to do fitness stuff so yeah it's, it's gonna be tough but we'll make it through yeah i'm gonna get into that for sure the, the what you're doing for quarantine but i want to also also or i want to also go over what we just talked about uh the 15 year reunion so yeah. can yeah. you believe it's been 15 years since we were in the house like wow 
That's crazy to me. And I don't even remember. Seems like just yesterday I was making you uh, candy bar smoothies. So I was going protein powder in them, so they had to be good for it. That was literally one of the things I was going to ask you about. Uh, nobody saw that on camera, and we would meet in the kitchen. Like the the camera crew would kind of go back into their offices or go to bed or whatever around like I don't know what twelve, one, two o'clock when everybody yeah. went to sleep. You'd go back in the kitchen. I'd meet you in the kitchen. And you start making these protein shakes. I remember the first time, because you had more experience than me. You were more of a, a fighter than I was at that time. You know, you, yeah. well, always since, since since then as well. But uh, <laughs> you had more experience. You had more fights. So I'm like, all right, man, he's gonna make a protein shake. I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> this is gonna be good, man. He knows more about what to do. I'll let him. I'll let him be in charge. And I was just standing there with you, and you're putting in like protein and like healthy stuff. And then, then you're just like, ah, fucking put a candy bar in there, like some ice cream. And I was like, "Oh shit, we can do that!" Like, like you, <laughs> no, you can, we you, can't. We can. Here I am, two hundred thirty-three pounds, just you know, struggling to make weight. That was the biggest thing. You could do that because you were fighting at like two hundred five at the time. You know, I was in your you division. Could, yeah, I know it was crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, I was so heavy at the time, man. I was like, oh, man, and that was just like. Uh, you know, crazy calorie deficit binging, you know. Yeah, it's crazy, Not man. What 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 did I guess I was gonna ask you, what obviously we talked since then, we had the reunion and we did uh, other little things since then, but what what is the one thing that, that you remember that happened in the house that they didn't air that I guess is the most memorable for you? Like obviously that was one thing, but what was one of the bigger things? And I'll tell you one the, the yeah, I remember. Okay. So for me, one that I'm really glad they didn't use is I had a lot of trouble making weight to fight Sam Hoger. I don't know okay. if you remember, but you might not have been in the house at the time. I don't remember. And then I they they ordered us sushi, which is not the brightest thing to eat before a fight. But I don't know if it was the sushi or the portion I ate. But the night before that fight, I was actually up all night and i think it's because i was naked in the shower like with the shower <laughs> in my head just vomiting again and again and again oh, just God. Like, and then i was like never eat sushi again before fight and yet i did actually eat sushi again before fight so i didn't learn i didn't it's very very low iq on that one so but, yeah. sushi from so sushi from las vegas uh wasn't the freshest is what you're saying yeah hey they fly it in fresh every day so wait, i didn't even eat I did not even eat sushi till I moved to the middle of the desert, and now I love sushi. I I don't have an explanation. I used to live literally on the coast, like an hour from the beach, the ocean. Now I live in the middle of the desert. I I eat sushi. So what, yeah. what was your what was your memory that didn't make the show? My memory was so I fought Stefan Bonner and and that like final fight, which wasn't the final fight, but was the final fight of the show. Uh, not the finale, but the show and. Yeah. After the fight, we got back to the house, and Stefan went in the shower to take a shower, if you remember that. I don't oh, know. Yeah. So he went in to take a shower, and he was in the shower for like a really, really long time. Like a really long time. Well, and what happened I mean, was he, he, he opened the window. He crawled out the window and then <laughs> went like two miles away to a liquor store, got, got alcohol, got dr drunk, sure. and then so came I back. We were all trying to cover for him. Yeah, and like it was such a long <laughs> walk 
that he was sober by the time we got back from all the like walking and running. And then we had like tried to cover for him, like, oh no, no, don't. He's, he's you know, it's like he's banged up. Leave, leave him alone. And they were like, oh, he's banged up. We need to get the doctor to see him. I was like, yeah, call the doctor. All right. But yeah, and then Andrea came in and started, you know, and and he almost got kicked off the show that night. And Dana tells that story too about how he almost got kicked off the show that night. Since it was like the last night and you know, it doesn't help when you take like an hour and a half shower and then you come out of the bathroom and you're more dirty than when you came in, you got like mud and dirt all over your arms and your face. (laughs) And we're just like, bro, clean your It's crazier still because I don't know if you remember, but the window he crawled out of was not super small. Oh my God. It was crazy. (laughs) I was like, man, Definitely, he he might if he was in prison, he might get out because I didn't see a man his size getting through that window. That was impressive. Some Shawshank uh, Redemption yeah. stuff there. And so he almost like Dana almost kicked him off that night. Like the producer Andrea, she wanted him gone, and then uh, you know obviously they kicked him off. You, you probably would have got to fight me, and the UFC would have tanked. You would have knocked me out in thirty seconds, and there no. was. Can we agree on can we agree on one thing though for sure one of us would have been knocked out if we fought maybe, I, maybe. I don't I, see I, us going to a decision I think the way you swing and the way I swing for sure somebody would have connected and it would have ended it wouldn't so, have been definitely the greatest the fight we, in, in history the way we swang back then <laughs> yeah the, exactly. you know uh, later in my career, I was like, oh, I touched her. That's cool. I'm going to move over here now. Yeah. But for sure, at that point in my career, yeah, I was just like, all right, I'm going to throw this hammer, and I'm going to throw this hammer. Yeah. 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 That's why. I mean, that's why the up-and-comers are the ones to watch. You know, and that's that's something that I try to do a lot. I, I just saw your guy. Um, your Manel. guy got signed to UFC. What's his name? Manel Cap. He, I was with him yeah. in Japan when he won the, the championship yeah. against Asakura. Yeah. Yeah, he's a stud, man. Uh, he's thirty-five or twenty-five. Thirty-five uh, years old? No, no, he's thirty. Fights at one thirty-five. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought you meant. I was, I was like, no, he's not 30, thirty-five. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he he he, he can fight at different weights. Um, but yeah, yeah he, he's a thirty-fiver, and he is a beast, man. He's like. Uh, Man, he, the the level yeah. that he's went up since he's came to AK Thailand is incredible. Man, he's he's done really well. We've had a few fights with Ryzen uh, up until that fight, and then they gave him the championship fight, and so now he's fighting. You know, he was already becoming a star, and then he now he's fighting at, at New Year's Eve, the big Ryzen show championship fight against Asakura, thirty thousand people, and that was that was a huge moment for. Uh, for me and for him, you know, obviously for him the most and, and, and for his career, but just for me being there was great. And then, you know, now I got signed with the UFC. That was awesome. And now he's living his dream, man. His dream was to get in the UFC and, and yeah. be a champion. So I, and I think he can do it. I, I think he has everything it takes to be a champion. So I think he's well on his way. Yeah, he's got a great tool set. Hey, let me, let me ask you something. I don't get to do it much anymore. And... <clears throat> I, everybody always asked me to do it at the time, and I didn't love it at the time, but now I miss it and wish I'd done it more. And that's cornering people. Do you, like, how do you feel about cornering people? Do you love it? Do you? Uh, you know, I think that's one of the best things that I do, even over yeah. fighting. I, I think I can corner somebody better than yeah. I can fight, better than I can coach in general. Um, I haven't been able to coach as much 
building the gym being being that i have so much business obligations um but now that we had this pause and, and we're having to shut down and when we restart i'm going to try to put more emphasis back into coaching a little bit more being in the classes more especially as it gets built back up because the focus is going to be instead of expansion which is what i was doing up until the, yeah. the closure it's going to be just building the gym back up and coming back strong. I'm fired to come back and, and be as big as we were before and bigger. So I'm going to do a lot more coaching. But for me, cornering is is it's more nerve wracking than than when yeah. you fight because yeah. you can't be the person. So it's like you you know you have to hope they do what you say or or they do what's right. And if they don't, you're a nervous wreck because you can't actually physically do it for them. You just got to sit there and watch whatever happens. Um, but it's also very exciting when they win, like like he did against Asakura. He listened to the game plan. He went out there and won. And that feeling when like they pull him off the you know off the opponent or whatever, and like it's almost uh, it's very close to the same as when we're fighting and they pull that that you know pull us off of our opponent or something. So it, it's it's kind of a way to live vicariously through your yeah. fighters. And get some of those moments that we had. Uh, no, I'll tell you something. People that really enjoyed cornering, that's a great thing because that's selfless. That's being able to take pure pleasure in somebody else's victory. And that, you know, you know you had a part of it, but that is, you know, that's 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 a really cool thing. For me, I enjoyed if they won the fight, I enjoyed that. But you show up Tuesday, it sucks. You wait around. You know what? Yeah. It was just like, for me, that waiting. And then you go to the press conference with him. And you sit there. Yeah, and then you yeah. go to the wedding with him. And he goes down <laughs> yeah. ceremony away. And I was like, oh, my God. I, just, uh, I hated doing this when I fought. Now I'm doing this for other people. And I'm not yeah. even really getting paid that much for it. This yeah. sucks. So for me, it was just the whole week of the fight, you know? And then yeah. fight day. If you're a good corner person, what do you do? You go hang out with them at one or two o'clock, and you you, you make yeah. your jokes and you you try to keep them lighthearted and you keep the mood light and you keep them from you know this is an important thing, right? Keep them from thinking about fighting until it's time to think about fighting, and then you make sure they're thinking about fighting. But for me, that was always like, man, you know, I would rather just be doing something else and like literally. Like, just let me go to your workouts, and then I'll just work you out an hour a day, show up at the corner of you, and leave, you know? It's fun, and uh, it's challenging. You know, you, you feel like you have a lot of responsibility. So, like I said, like, it's, you know, the nerves are there still. You get a lot of the excitement that we had when we were fighting. It's just you don't obviously get beat up, and, you know, you don't get the excitement as much when you win and as far as your career um and 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 kind of your journey but it's through someone else which is actually a little bit better sometimes <laughs> so yeah but i mean it's still you know it's funny and i i work with a lot of people you know uh you met my buddy dean came down yep. there um thanks for taking him care of him by the way no and worries. it's you know that's when your journey as a fighter ends your journey as a coach begins and right. then you start cornering people and working with people and that's you know that's a that's a whole new you know it's a whole new system of rewards and punishments and it's a whole new mindset and and uh you know it's a tough one right so like figuring out the best way to train people that aren't you is actually for me i found it to be pretty hard because if you're beat up you know hey i take a day or you know towards the end of my career i knew how to train right right yeah for me just coming up with aka like 
we had Frank Shamrock on the team. So it was Team Shamrock. Then he left. And so it was just a bunch of guys having to like build our own team, build our own system. And so it was like trial and error. So it was like me and Thompson and Trevor Prangley and Paul Buenatello and Bobby Southworth and, you know, a few other guys. And, and we just had to start Team AKA and start, you know, keeping what's good and taking away what doesn't work and and it was just like so that kind of taught me sort of more so the coaching side and and training side so that helped me um i wanted to ask you that long that's amazing yeah 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 i was there when we formed ak man like we formed the actual team ak so long time man definitely a long time so i wanted to ask you like what is your what is your quarantine like i mean like like what are you doing for quarantine and what do you think of this whole coronavirus taking over the world well i mean as you can see if you look around this is not so uh you know i've been working at the uoc for seven years now believe it or not and when i i got that office um well when they opened the new campus whatever I got an office. I gave up my home office. So now it is now my daughter's schoolroom and my wife's crafting room. And yeah. I've had to move back in it for these last three weeks. And, you know, I mean, it sucks, man. You can imagine me, right? I'm not a, I'm not going to email you, right? I want to walk down to your office, say, hey, what's up? Here's what we're trying to do. Or, you know, if we're communicating with fighters, telling somebody the strategy, it's easier to show it to them and ask them and, you know, hand them a piece of paper. And, you know, I, I like that kind of tactile way to communicate with people. So it's been tough on me to try and communicate with people, as I'm sure it is for you, you know, like this. Yeah. And so you're saying, suck at this, Rick. I'm sorry, suck at this. <laughs> Just talking to human beings is so much better. But are you staying home and like staying safe and like taking all the precautions oh, yeah. and and, no, and you're not I guess you're not training as much right now and and you're just trying to stay in and stay safe keep the family safe. I mean, you know I work out every morning at my house in my living room because you know we we don't have a gym in our house. Yeah. I mean I, I don't have any gym stuff which is ironic but <laughs> yeah. I've worked at a gym or lived at a gym like you right you like I live at a gym you know I'm, I'm spend most of my waking hours. At the gym, I don't need to come home to another gym, but ironically now I wish I had a gym. Yeah, it's crazy because I have, you know, AK Thailand, and then, you know, I was going there to train because, like, nobody else was there. Um, yeah. And then and the government mandate um, don't do kept, yeah. kept, kept us in our area. And then here I am at my house, which, which you know, I have nicely set up with everything but a gym. Well, and so, so now it's like... I- why would you do that, Mike? You own yeah. a gym. It's eight yeah, minutes to the gym. Yeah. So Same it's like here. it's like push-ups and like you know like basically just push-ups and like self body weight stuff when I can and and yeah. I've been trying to get some some sprints out front you know and like I don't even know if we can go outside. They they passed a new law Monday, so I don't even know if we can even walk around outside anymore. But um, what do you think about the coronavirus, man? Like this is gonna this seems like it's gonna be the craziest thing of our generation. I mean, there's. Uh, I believe right now 586,000 cases in America, 525 yeah. are active, and almost 24,000 people dead already. And most half of which you know, almost is in New York. You know, for me uh, over here as an American, you know, I think it's the next generation's 9/11. You know, I was 21 or two when 9/11 happened, and that that kind of shaped my world perception. Whatever I think for the kids coming up today, this will shape kind of the way they think and feel about things and you know i'm worried about you know going to 
working for a company whose job is to sell 20,000 seat arenas out. Do you yeah. really want to go be in 20? I don't want to be around 20,000 people right now. You know, yeah. I mean, so yeah, it, it's going to change the way of life, the way of business. We were all, we were all moving online anyway, right? This right. is just pacing that a little bit. Hey, what's up, guys? Sorry for this little break. Got to thank our sponsor, aka Thailand, and tell you about a reopened special that we are still currently doing 30% off for all pre bookings on group classes. So uh, we've, gotten a, we've gotten a lot of messages from you guys uh, saying you're coming, you're stir crazy, you can't wait to get this crisis over with. Obviously, we're going to be here when, when you guys get out of this and when we all get over this pandemic. Um, and I want to help you out with that by giving you 30% discount as long as the sell lasts. So until we, until we reach our budget, uh, we're going to offer this sell. Um, 30%, all you got to do is go to akthailand.com. Um, all the pricing is set up on the website. You can just book it right on there. Again, it's for all group classes. Um, you can do a week, you can do a month, you can do three months, you can do six months, you can do a year, uh, until we get to that budget. Um, you can buy at 30% off, save yourself some money. So not only can you come after you get out of this, this home quarantine and come to Thailand and, and train, get some sun, have some excitement, but I'm going to help make it easier for you at 30% discount. Um, now a, a question that we have been getting a lot of lately is, uh, can you use that training anytime? I think everyone thinks that once they buy the training, they have to use it right away with the crisis going on and the travel restrictions. You know, you guys obviously don't know when you're going to be able to come to Thailand. This training is redeemable anytime for the price that you paid. So if you go on there right now and book a month of training, you can use that month. As soon as this crisis is over, uh, you can use it in, in a year from now, you can use it in two years from now, and we'll also let you transfer it. So say you injure yourself and you can't actually make it or you decide not to come you can give it to your buddy uh, or, or, or one of your students or one of your friends whatever the case and they can use your training session so again akthailand.com the site's already set up at 30 percent discount you just got to purchase uh, on the pricing page and if you have any questions just email info at akthailand.com thank you yeah, and, and, and going back to 9-11, I mean, the crazy thing about it is, you know, 9-11 hit us hard. And not only was it hard to overcome the, the, the losses of, of the individuals that died, first responders, the fire team, the, the people in the buildings, um, but it was also a financial impact that was really hard to get over. And right now, we're eight times the death toll and this is just kind of getting started in america so it's like eight times yeah. the death toll and obviously way bigger of a financial impact so it's like it's scary to think how this is gonna how this is gonna resolve you know and, and it's a worldwide thing it's not just america so it's like how the hell like for me as a business owner you know what i mean like i have to hold yeah. the, the weight of the business you know and, and like i I was able to, I'm able to do so because of cash reserves and because I've made money in business, but how long can I do that? And, 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 you know, like, you know, and come back strong and, and come back healthy and everything when we do open and how many other people can do that? Like how many other people can hold their businesses, you know, and pay all those bills for, for maybe two, three, four, five, six months. Like that's, that's going to be the question. Well, think about Las Vegas, too. What do people do here? They work in the service industry, right? right. That's why this town exists. It's because it's a cool place to come to with people that will take care of you, you know. Um, and most of my friends, you know, barbers, people who work in gyms, people that bartenders, cocktail witches, whatever, you know, those people aren't working at all right now. So 
you know, worse still for you, are they even going to have the money to get that gym membership when they do start working again? Probably right. not, right? So. Yeah, you know, luckily, I think the stir crazy aspect, we get a lot of messages. I think that might help my business. Yeah. Yeah. I guess different than most of the tourist business in Thailand. I think you're right. Yeah. There's not going to be a lot of people that's going to pop out of this and be like, I want to go spend a bunch of money on a vacation. You know, yeah. I think that's definitely going to happen or be true. Um, but I think there's gonna be a lot of people that's going to be like, I want to get out of my house, get to Thailand and train and like, you know, get in shape. Yeah. And it's obviously cheap when you get here. So I'm hoping that's the case. And, and we can get back, you know, started again with a big crowd and, and get things rocking and rolling. Um, yeah, it, it, that's that's the hope, and uh, and I obviously want, would love to see this thing die out before more people get killed. It seems like it's uh, one point. It's like a fifteen hundred to two thousand people a day just in America alone. I mean, that's that's a crazy yeah. number. That's a yeah. that's a crazy stat, you know. Um, what what? So what are you doing around your house? I mean, obviously this is the first time we've all been kind of home quarantined and stuff. Like, what are you doing to like not be stir crazy? And well, like, are you watching any Netflix or? Oh, yeah. You know me. I love some TV, man. Well, <clears throat> you know, I'm spending some time with the family. I'm getting my workouts in the morning. Um, I'm, you know, just finished the Ozarks up. It was great. Um, I'm watching you that. Know, working on Better Call Saul right now. I watched the Freud one. It was good. I love, I watched about 90 minutes of TV a day. I love, I love TV shows. I love them. Um, but, you know, so I'm actually spending a lot of my time. Uh, just like working on self-development, right? So I'm going to take the cool. CSCS, hopefully the Certified Strength and Conditioning course by the end of the year. Um, I start a college. I'm taking a college class just for the heck of it. Uh, May 9th, I think it starts. And then, um, so we're working on uh, like a year three, the second journal, right? So we did the first journal a couple of years ago, the UFCPI, just kind of like a position statement on information about MMA as a sport, right? So now we're doing the, you know, and the follow-up to that, right? Right. I, are, yeah, I keep thinking you're frozen because the screens keep freezing. I'm like, no, Mike is just good. a very, you know, he's just a very still human being. I'm like, he's yeah, just I'm just, I'm just listening, bro. I'm listening to everything you're saying. Yeah. I'm attentive. I'm attentive. Yeah. No, that's awesome, yeah. man. And getting back real quick to the Netflix thing, have you seen? I got to ask you this, man. I've asked my last couple of guests. Uh, have you? Have you seen? Have you seen Tiger King? I haven't, but I feel like I can talk about it with you. You knew what I was going to ask. <laughs> it's just one of those things. Yeah, Carol did. Carol did it. She killed that fellow. Yeah, but you know it. that, even though you haven't watched it. <laughs> yeah, not an episode, but I know that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, dude, it's you got to watch man. it. You have to watch it, man. It's it's not All just right. a coincidence that everybody's watching the show, man. It it really is like mind blowing, and and it's one of those shows where it just you watch the first episode and you're like, okay, that's crazy. Yeah. And then episode two, you're like, oh my God, it, that's more crazy than the first episode. And then it just continues to the very end. Seven episodes yeah. of just getting, like you can't imagine by episode four that it can get any more crazy than it is. And it just continues. And you're just like, oh my God, how in the world is this like real life? Yeah, now they're, now they're selling tigers to you know, drug czars or something. Yeah. 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 It's crazy, man. It's so crazy. Um, yeah. So uh, one thing I wanted to ask you too, um, about our careers and stuff, do you, do you feel, 
because you obviously had one of the greatest fights in UFC history. You know, tough season one was very impactful for the UFC and for going mainstream and stuff. Do you feel yep. we were ahead of our time? And, and do you regret that considering how it is now? Or do oh. you think we were lucky because it wasn't as saturated and we got to get a bigger piece of the pie back then versus like right now, it'd be harder, especially for me, to be able to make the name that I made back then right now with the talent pool. That's and and um, So <clears throat> look, man, we were at, both of us, we were at the right place for us. Yeah. Um, you know, I was a pretty good athlete, but I wasn't good enough to play college football. Um, the guys in the UFC today, they're becoming more and more athletic. I didn't start training until I was 20. Um, guys today, they start wrestling when they were eight, you know, doing taekwondo when they were 12 or something. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, I didn't, I never did martial arts growing up. I just saw some people fighting in the gym in Athens, and I thought, that looks cool. I bet I could do that. Literally, like, I could do that. It didn't look that hard, you know? <laughs> uh, and so I think for me, I was in just the right position, you know? For me, man, I wish I wish I'd had a second half of my career. You know, I was um, I was scheduled to have a fight, and I blew my knee out 20 days before the fight. And then I was like, I'm done. I'm done mentally. You know, just so whatever. And um, about eight months later, I was thinking, man, you know what? I feel pretty good. I was moving around my physical therapy with some high school kids doing foot ladder drills. And I was like, man, I'm doing all right. And then I was playing soccer with some five-year-olds, and my daughter was like three, maybe. And I, I popped my knee again. Or my daughter was two, maybe. We were at the park. I was showing off with some five- and six-year-olds. But, <laughs> but they were uh, they were Mexican. They were real good at soccer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was trying to whatever, and I popped my knee. And, uh, you know, that was it for me. So I definitely wish I'd, I – I felt like I had more, you know. <clears throat> it just – I retired at 35. How old were you when you retired? 2015 i was 37 37 okay yeah, yeah. it's I been thought, 10, 10, yeah. 10 years for you right something like that 10, 10 years since your last fight was tito uh 2013 seven seven years over so seven. seven years yeah. 2013 yeah and there'd be nothing that would convince you to fight again and i'm on, I, I i know the answer i just i get asked this question every time i make a post oh. about anything relating to fighting oh. so i have to ask you is there anything that would cause you to fight again uh, your problem is is that you're in a gym all the time and you look really fit that's what your problem is <laughs> yeah. uh, i don't think that fits so people don't ask me as much but hey man you know if it's corona gets much worse and i get let go I might have to fight somebody for something you know <laughs> i don't i don't have a huge skill set right and that and that's unfortunately why guys hang on too long um, you know, is it your, you know, it, you go, you know, like I went from making $26,000 a year as a cop. And then the next year I made maybe 30 grand. And then the next year I made like $80,000. And I thought I was like, like, Oh my God, I'm loaded. You know, yeah. the, the show <laughs> I fought in the UFC, I had two wins in the UFC or something like that, you know, sponsorships, I'm doing commercials. And I'm like, oh my God, this was, a, you know, a, less than a year ago, I was, you know, driving around a beat cop and I wasn't even very good at that. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so it, it's, it, it's hard. It's a hard sport to quit, man. But it, it's also a hard sport to go back to when you're past, when you're past it, because it, it never seems to yield good results. 
And wow. that's why I've been so persistent on, even when I had my LASIK surgery, which was only like a few months ago, um, they said, well, you know, we know you fight. And if we do the, the regular LASIK surgery, you can't get hit in the eyes and fight anymore. Or we can do PRK, just leaves that option open. And I'm like, nope, put the LASIK. Any, I'm looking for any excuse to know that I can't fight again yeah. because I, I don't I know mentally right now I don't want to ever have to fight again because it's not going to be a good result you know we're past we're past it and the sooner we know that and recognize that the better um, but I want to ask yeah. you to go ahead yeah. you know the other thing would be you just got to fight other old people that are past their prime I believe yeah. they call that Bellator <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah. come on <laughs> now Bellator's got to Bellator's got a lot of good up-and-comers, too, but they just mix it in, you know. Yeah. Get the good guys, they try to get the new guys up there. But, uh, yeah. Now, you, now you're right, though. And uh, the thing I was going to ask you, too, so of your full career, you've obviously had a ton of fights, uh, champion. I mean, you've done everything there is to do in the sport, uh, in, including the biggest thing to evolve it. Um, is there any one fight or, or one person that you wish you had a fought, not necessarily for anger, but just for maybe stylistically that you never got to yeah. fight? So I sparred with Vanderlei Silva for about two years. And I always thought that would have been a cool fight to have. You yeah. know, when we were both in our prime, I thought that would have been a cool fight. I, I'm not saying I would have won that fight. Not at all, but I'm yeah. saying it would have been a cool fight. You know, it would have been one, you know, I, uh, you know, I had some, and I'm sure you're the same way, man. I had sparring sessions that were harder than any fight I've ever had. And and then I was like, why? <laughs> why did you do that for us? You know? So, yeah. How about, how about you? Who, who, who did you want? You actually got to tango with, with the guy that I, I wanted to fight, um, but just like you, uh, at the time, I don't think I was as familiar with how powerful and crazy this guy was. Um, I fought my way up to five. Well, I was 4-0 in the UFC, and then I fought David Loazzo for the number one contendership. Uh, that, that made me technically, I guess, the, in the number one contender uh, ranking-wise. Yeah. And then Travis Luter won the TV show, so he jumped ahead and fought Anderson Silva. Um, but yeah. I was supposed to fight Anderson Silva after I yeah. beat David Loazzo. And uh, so I, I could either sit around and wait and fight Anderson, or I could take another fight, which I fought Yushin Okami and drop the decision. But oh. I, re I really wanted that Anderson Silva fight. Yeah. I really wanted that. Yeah, yeah I really you wanted the Anderson. Got out too, yeah. I wanted that Anderson Silva fight bad, but again, then looking at what happened since then, it's like, did did I really Mike, want that fight? Yeah. <laughs> did I really what? want that fight? If I could give it to you, I would. I would give you that fight in a heartbeat if I could. Fight. I would give it right. Have this Anderson fight. I don't need it. <laughs> yeah, several fights later, I was like, yeah, maybe it was so. Maybe maybe my drop to welterweight and getting away from that whole division with that Anderson yeah. Silva guy in it was probably a good move because yeah. that dude was savage. He was a ninja. Yeah, yeah but then you had the GSP who was going to get you yeah. anyway, seventy. So you know, he was dominating. So it was it was a. Uh, Dude, so talk about shot. somebody. Let me tell you about other than unlike you. Let me tell you about somebody who drops uh, drops the ball. Uh, so I I got into the Ultimate Fighter off of a loss to Chris Lieben. So I dropped the ball on 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 that fight. First loss of my career. Somehow get on the yeah. Ultimate Fighter. Uh, I get my chance on the Ultimate Fighter. I dropped the ball in the last fight against Stefan Bonner. Yeah. Somehow I get into the UFC. Almost I go. 
I go five and five and zero oh in the UFC, and then I get to be number one contender to fight Anderson Silva. I fight uh, this unknown Yushino Kami in my hometown. Close fight, dropped the ball against that, lost my title shot. Uh, went down to welterweight, gained another four or five fights, forgot how many in a row. Got back to number one contendership. Fought Dan Hardy to fight GSP. So the winner, I finally get one more fight to, to, to then fight GSP and fight the champion of the welterweight division after winning four or five fights in a row. I drop the ball on that and lose my fight against uh, GSP. Like who's who's dropped the ball like more than me? Like <laughs> I made a career of dropping the ball, yeah. winning good fights, but not winning the fight. Drop, dropping the ball at the goal line. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That's the story of my life, bro. Yeah, but, you know, and I might cut out here in a second, but you were there, you know, you did it, you, you, you know, you swang. That's a, you know, and people always quote that, um, you know, man in the arena thing, right? But it's so true. It's like, man, you were there, you gave it your all, you put yourself in those positions. I don't think even, like, now, as an old man, I don't see how I ever did that, man. Just with my ego and with doing that to yourself, you know, putting yourself out there, really going for it like that. That's hard, man. People don't realize. Yeah. So, so last question. I know you got to go, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time out for the podcast. Um, how is it? How is it working with the PI Center and and with the UFC still and Dana and everything? And then, I know you were working on some stuff in China. Obviously, that's uh, probably on hold at the time. Or yeah. at this time, so so how how is working at the PI Center and then and and what has this affected as far as the PI Center in China? Well, they're shut down most likely till Juneish, and then so they've got a whole academy class, you know, twenty three fighters that basically train there for free and will fight in smaller promotions and hopefully just raise the overall level of mixed martial arts in China. It's a huge fan base. You got Zhang Weili, the Chinese champion. You've got yep. Song Yudong, a contender. You've got a lot of great people and fans in China. Um, you know, and of course, a martial arts history culture. Uh, so it, it's great. And I'm so glad we opened one in China because there's a mixed martial, you know, there's an actual technical tactical, right? The There's an MMA portion to it, right? And uh, where, whereas in the PI in Las Vegas, basically people come to me, and I refer them to what they need. Like, you would come to me and say, hey, man, you know, I'm a little heavy. I'm like, oh, hey, I got a guy. You know what? Yeah. You come to me. So it, there's a lot more for me to do with, with the China Academy, whereas, you know, in, in Vegas, basically, and, and this is just anybody that's watching this, if you're in the UFC and you need something physiological, physically, mentally, come to me. Let me know. I know the people. I, I <laughs> have the after the world that i get hooked you up yeah. uh, so you know people come to me and i say what do you need okay this is the guy or gal that's gonna get you squared away right and and i like that right so people come that's that's the great thing about mma as opposed to boxing you you get you'll lose a fight or two and then you come in and you say hey is this the right weight class for me i don't know let's let's talk to this guy let's do some tests let's get you a dexa let's get you a you know, metabolic resting ratio type thing. Let's let's find out how many calories you're burning, and let's see if that is in fact the right, you know, weight class for you. Let's measure your arms, etc. Um, you know, people come. You know, I didn't feel strong in my conditioning. All right, I know a guy who can fix that. I know a woman. She's going to help you out. You're banged up. Uh, we got a great team. So 
I mean, that's that's really awesome. And, you know, again, it, it's a lot like what you get to do, right? I get to work with young and up-and-comers and, and to help their careers, you know, uh, hopefully explode. And then, yeah. and then you know, my old friends come in. Like, I just got to do a little bit with uh, T. Wood. Always good yep. to see him. He's out hanging out with you. Yeah, he was the first guest on this new uh, quarantine series, and uh, wow. yeah, I still I still remember you giving me the tour of the PI Center. I was just blown away, man! Like yeah. how cr- crazy it is. So, and and I appreciate you sending me messages and uh, sending me people to AK Thailand and staying in touch over the years as you have. And I I, I definitely got to ask you. Lastly, when are you going to come out here to AK Thailand and check out the gym and and let me show you around Phuket, man? Because it's amazing. I, I definitely will. So I go to uh, I go to China quite a bit and that is a short flight right from China yep. well, it's not that long a flight right it's so like five I'll six hours yeah I'll de- I mean but you know if you've already gone 30 hours what's yeah, the <laughs> yeah so, you're fine but uh yeah I'll definitely stop in and uh I want to see it like that's Thailand is the hot spot where people are training where you're seeing all these you know people like people coming from you know and then that's where like the Shevchenko sisters are going to train and everybody's going there to get there. You know, apparently it's just a great place to train. Um, I've been to AKA, I've been to, uh, ATT, I've been to, you know, Jackson's, but I've never been to the gyms in Thailand, right? I've only been to the gyms in the States and I want to go through Thailand just as a research project. What are you guys doing? How do you guys structure your practices? What's making you successful? What can I steal from you and bring back yeah. here? Yeah, you've already asked me a bunch of questions before, but uh, AK Thailand is definitely uh, a very unique unique place. It's like no other gym in the world and where we're going with it, where we were going, especially before this pandemic and, and hopefully after, once we get back open again, is going to be even an, a, a cooler place and, and we're going to do something that's never before done before or never been done before. So uh, I can't wait to show you, man, and uh, can't wait to show you Phuket as well and, and, and hang out with you here. And, you know, we've been through a lot together, man. It's, it's you know, we kind of uh, started this whole like turn for the better on, on tough one and, and stayed in touch all throughout the year. So it's great talking to you again. And thanks for being on the podcast and, uh, stay safe, man. Stay inside. Don't get the shit. I'm trying, man. It sounds like you are too. Just, just stay inside, man. And don't get this shit. All right, brother. Take it easy, man. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, so there you have it, uh, Forrest Griffin. Uh, I've been wanting to get him on the podcast for a while. I haven't caught up to him and got to have that long of a conversation in so long. We we stay in touch through email. Um, he's been sending people to the to the gym here. Um, you know, obviously we we have small talk, but it was really cool to catch up to him. And I actually talked to him more in this podcast than I did at the reunion that we did. A lot of you guys probably don't know, but we actually had a reunion, a tough reunion uh, in Las Vegas, and they aired it on uh, Fight Pass, I think. But uh, it's good to see he's doing good, and he's working at the PI Center in Las Vegas, and I think he's going back and forth to China. But uh, it's always great talking to him, and you can't, you you can't. It's it's what he's done for the sport. You know, it, it's just incredible. I mean, he was there at the right time, at the right place, like he said, and and that fight he had with Stefan Bonner was that's it, man. That's that's. That's what create opportunities for a lot of you guys out there and, and change the entire sport. So 
anyway, great to have him here and see what he was doing during quarantine and, and see how he was handling it and get his thoughts. So hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, please subscribe if you're on the audio platforms and listening to this on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. Please subscribe to us there. If you're watching on YouTube, I suggest watch. It's always good to see us talk in person because sometimes we like smile and do things that you know we normally uh, didn't do in our fight career. Uh, we tell jokes and laugh at them. Uh, so definitely advise you to go to YouTube and, and check us out where you can actually see. If that's the case, please give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. I'm trying to grow this thing. I told you guys I was going to be putting these out, and we're serious about it. This is the fourth podcast we've done in a week. we got Tyron Woodley and Michelle Watterson out right now. Quentin Jackson I did literally a few hours ago. Um, I only had three hours of sleep between Quentin uh, Rampage Jackson in this interview with uh, Forrest Griffin a conversation. I don't even want to say interview. I, I never want to do interviews. Um, so this is four, uh, four uh, podcasts in a week, and we're going to keep them going strong. So stay tuned and uh, hope you enjoy the show. And if you have any uh, suggestions, leave comments on uh, YouTube and we'll answer them and, and hopefully get the guests that you want and ask them the questions that you want. So I appreciate the support and thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Sweet.